Gracious God and Father, you have promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you have sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So, you get to compose the sermon title with me today on page 9 in your bulletin at the top of the page. If Jesus is our shepherd, we are his. We are his sheep, all right? Roman number 1 in your sermon outline, sheep are vulnerable and helpless. In Matthew 10, Jesus says to his disciples, I send you out as sheep into the midst of wolves. And he sends us out unarmed. You may recall at Christ's arrest, Peter drew his sword to defend Jesus and maybe even himself. But Jesus ordered Peter to put the sword away. We're not given earthly Weapons. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he said, If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, but my kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, we will not fight. In Romans 8, St. Paul describes the Christian life in the following way. He says, For your sake, O Lord, we are being killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So why? Why does our Lord send us out into the world vulnerable, helpless, and unarmed? Well, perhaps it's because we follow in the footsteps of one who came into this world vulnerable, helpless, and unarmed. One who entered this world, as you and I do, as a helpless infant. And if we are his sheep, he is pretty sheepy as well. When John the Baptist saw him, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in Revelation, Jesus is identified as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Christ accomplished the world's salvation by becoming vulnerable, by accepting our punishment rather than dishing it out. And he calls us to take up our own crosses and to follow him. That's what your second reading is about this morning. We take up our crosses, we follow in his steps to not retaliate when we are insulted and attacked, but to bless those who persecute us and to pray for those who oppose us. For in this way, those who oppose us will see Christ in us and they will be moved to repentance and come to faith in him. That's the only way. Letter A anti-Christian bigotry. 
If your eyes are open, you see it all around. I've referred to the book before by Mary Eberstadt. It's dangerous to believe. She recounts many, that book is eight or 10 years old now, but she recounts many incidents of anti-Christian bigotry in our own culture. Now I know it's much worse elsewhere around the world, but it's here also, sometimes very subtly, sometimes rather openly. Campus Christian groups have been banned from some college campuses because their presence, their beliefs, offend some students. I have no doubt they do. High school coaches have been suspended for kneeling with their teams and offering prayers following athletic contests. And I was talking not long ago with a military chaplain, a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod chaplain, and I asked him this question, what's it like today serving under a woke or progressive command structure in the military? And he replied that it's very challenging. But he said, when a gay couple in the military wants to get married and they come to me, I tell them I'm not authorized to perform the ceremony because our denomination will not allow that. And so I said, well, well and good, but rather than saying your denomination won't allow you to do that, what if you said, I choose not to perform the ceremony because it would violate my own deeply held religious beliefs about what marriage really is. <laughs> the chaplain replied, well, that's another story. He said, people all the way up the chain of command would hold that against me. They would probably, or they might, transfer me to a less desirable location to serve, and my file would certainly be added to the stack of those individuals who would not be considered anymore for promotion. That's reality. Letter B, what about the thieves, the robbers, and other strangers Jesus talks about? You know, it occurred to me that we may go to great lengths to safeguard our property with home security systems, with identity theft software, even firearms, and I'm not against any of that. And yet, false teaching, sexual perversion, Gender ideology pours into our homes via the television, the internet, social media, and we think little or nothing of it. It's just commonplace. And to me, all of that might be a more serious form of home invasion than even someone trying to break in, as bad as that is. And then on top of it all, there is no shortage of false teachers and false prophets who want to rob you of your faith in Jesus Christ and convince you to trust in your own work for your salvation. Letter C. Despite all of that, the sheep's greatest enemy is himself or herself. Isaiah wrote, All we like sheep have gone astray, each has turned to his own way. And my friends, no one makes you or me do that. It is our nature to go our own way. That is why we need forgiveness daily. That is why we need a new nature that desires to do the will of God. And that's why we need Jesus. 
Roman numeral two, Jesus is the good shepherd. He said in verse 11, immediately following our sermon text today, he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Indeed, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The good news is that we are totally and completely forgiven in Christ. And that good news creates in us a new nature, a new life within us that gladly does the will of God and gladly takes up the cross laid upon us and follows Christ. Letter A, he calls us into his sheepfold. That's where the safety is. Into his sheepfold. Our Lord Jesus said, where two or more gather in my name, there I am in their midst. Jesus is always with his flock. If you want to be where Jesus is, find where his flock gathers. That's where he promises to be. When God's people come together, my friends, we encourage one another. And if Christianity were a sport, it would be a team sport, not an individual sport. That's why the scripture is full of what we call the one another's. For example, we're told in scripture to bear with one another. And boy, don't we need to do that. Teach one another, the scripture says. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. The scripture says exhort one another. Stir up one another to love and to good works. Show hospitality to one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. That's just a brief synopsis of the one another's of Scripture. My friends, when I see you in worship, you encourage me and you encourage others around you to be here and to come and to receive what Jesus has to give. And that's what Martin Luther referred to as the mutual consolation and conversation of the brethren. My friends, you know sheep do not survive alone. Sheep find safety in the flock because that's where the shepherd is. Sheep who wander from the flock become victims of the wolves. Letter B. Jesus is the door. Not a door. Not one door among many. He is the door. There is no other. And that's no different than when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's no different than when Peter said, there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ is God's gracious open door, the only door that works, the only door that's functional when it comes to everlasting life and the forgiveness of sins. If it seems narrow, it's only because there's one door that's authentic, there's one door that works, and it is a mercy to learn that. Letter C. Voice recognition, spirituality. That's what we're involved in today. But first, let's talk technology. In technology, there is a difference between speech recognition and voice recognition. Speech recognition recognizes the words 
being said, regardless of who the speaker may be. But voice recognition is more complex. Voice recognition is the ability to recognize the person who is doing the speaking. Now, I've not used personal assistants like Alexa or Siri. I'm not an expert on those devices. But I've read that not only can they recognize words regardless of who's speaking, they can be programmed to recognize who is speaking and to respond only to him or to her. Now, voice recognition technology is still in its infancy, but to the ability to distinguish one voice from another is key to understanding our gospel reading for today. Verse 2 of our reading from John 10 on page 8 in your bulletin. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. Now notice this, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They know his voice. That is voice recognition. Now Christians are able to recognize the voice of Jesus and to distinguish that one from all other voices. Just as some devices can be programmed to respond to one voice only, so every Christian is designed by God to hear the voice of Jesus and to distinguish that voice from the cacophony of all other voices in our culture and to follow his voice alone. That is God-given ability. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. We're, we're able to distinguish those voices from the authentic shepherd's voice. And verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They didn't understand, so Jesus goes on, verses 7 through 10, Jesus explains the parable he just spoke. Now, look at John 10, verse 1, and look at how it begins. One of Christ's most common phrases, maybe his most common phrase, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, my friends, it's important to realize whenever Jesus uses that expression, it is never to begin a new section. It rather always concludes what was just said before or what just happened previously. That's why verse 7 begins with, truly, truly, I say to you. Not to begin a new section, but to conclude verses 1 through 5. In verses 7 through 10, Jesus explains what he meant, but which people didn't understand in verses 1 through 5. Now, in the same way, in John 10, verse 1, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is summarizing what just happened in John chapter 9, the story of the man born blind. That's why I included the end of chapter 9 to begin the gospel reading for today. And the point of John 9 is to show that this man who was born blind 
is now one of Christ's sheep. He would not listen to the Pharisees who were trying to convince him that Jesus was a fraud and trying to convince him to denounce Christ. He would not do it. He would not listen to the false shepherds who were trying to mislead him. He listened only to the voice of the good shepherd, Jesus, showing himself to be one of Christ's sheep. He was cast out of the synagogue, but he was received into Christ's sheepfold. The healing of the man born blind in John 9 is an illustration of what Jesus is talking about in John 10, 1 to 10. That's why he spoke John 10, 1 to 10. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They will not listen to the voice of strangers, whether it's the Pharisees or someone else. And as his sheep, you and I have ears only for Jesus. We listen to him, not the other voices. Jesus said, I send you out as sheep into the midst of wolves. And the world is full of wolves. And that's why Paul said the following to the pastors in Ephesus in Acts 20. And I read, Paul writes, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I commend you to the word of his grace. My friends, no better advice has ever been given than that. And I've said on many occasions, and I'll say it again right now, the most I can ask of any person is simply this, to hear the word of the Lord. That's the most I can ask. I can't ask any more than that of you or of anyone else. Or as Jesus said it, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now sheep are vulnerable. Sheep are helpless. And this world is a very wolfish place. But Christ's words are our defense. They defend us not from suffering, but they defend us through suffering. St. Paul wrote that through many hardships we must enter the kingdom of heaven. All of us are called to bear crosses. But Jesus said, if you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples. In other words, if you remain in my word, you can endure whatever the world, the flesh, and the devil throw at you. My friends, if Jesus is our shepherd, we are his sheep. Here is where his flock gathers in his name. Here is where he promises to be. And here is where we listen to his voice. And here is where we safely graze. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>